welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Well, as we start our gatherings, we like to kind of intentionally make movement from where we've been and getting here and the bustle um, to saying, okay, we're in this space and we're here to focus on our faith, uh, to worship and to be together, to share this time. It's just um, really important for us to be together in the room, um, walking together in faith. So as we do, I have a call to worship that I'd like to start with. And this is from a writer. Her name is Kat Armas. Kat is a Cuban-American theologian. She um, really likes to show us that reading the Bible with fresh eyes, with maybe marginalized eyes, with voices that haven't typically been heard in uh, mainstream, uh, allow us to experience God in new ways. So this is a prayer that she wrote for Holy Curiosity. And it really leans into children as being part of our um, threshold or our invitation into curiosity. So join with me in these thoughts as we begin. God of divine creativity, rekindle in us a holy curiosity. Remind us to revel your bigness as children do. Let humility permeate deep in our bones so that we are given eyes to see our children how you do as spiritual teachers, the prophets. For it is to them we look to as examples of how to receive your kingdom. It is our task to live into on earth as it is in heaven reality. But as adults, we tend to become conditioned to accept the world the way it is, forgetting the power we might hold to undo injustice. Remind us that it is our children who can show us the way, tiny individuals who are curious about what could be. Like our children, let us not be burdened by the way things are supposed to be, or how they're supposed to work, but allow our theological imaginations to soar so that we may see our reality anew. Okay, friends, you all ready to rock and roll? Okay, welcome to the nine o'clock hour. For those of you that aren't normally here, thanks for coming. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Micah, if we have not met. I'm one of the pastors here at Awaken. Uh, glad that you're with us. If you are new by chance, we'd love to know you are here. So in the seat pockets in front of you or the pews there, it's a card you can fill out or go to our website, awakenwest7th.com. Fill that out and somebody from our team will reach out and invite you to a beverage of your choice. We can get to know you. You can get to know us a little bit. A couple things we want to let you know about in terms of the life of our community and things that are happening. Today, after the second hour, there's a Discover Awaken class. So if you are new, that's for you. You can join us for that, and lunch is provided. Uh, This week, uh, excuse me, next week, uh, there's a learning lab that starts on the 21st. So I don't know how many uh, we have signed up for it. I heard uh, recently 20, but that was last week. So uh, this is a, a learning lab. We're calling it What's Next. So 21st, the 28th, the 4th, and the 11th of March. 
And it's really all about, like, what's next? So where have you been? Uh, where are you currently? And where do you want to go? Uh, Evie Peterson, who's a part of our community, is a life coach and um, kind of spiritual director of sorts, and will be leading that. She is just fantastic. So if you can join us for that, that's on Sunday nights from 6 to 8, except on the 11th, where there's a, a big game evidently happening. I don't know about which one it was. Anybody watch football yesterday? A couple of you? No. You did. I did too. Um, one good game. The other one was a blowout. But anyways, uh, 38 people signed up. My gosh. Wow. That's exciting. That's going to be fun. Uh, there is also a karaoke night coming up, you guys. <laughs> karaoke. So uh, yeah, the 27th of January, 6 to 9. Um, I, I think that's, that's being hosted by our artists and Hallie and Vanessa. So if you like karaoke... Uh, please join for that evening. <laughs> Should be fun. Uh, also, I'll let you know, save the date. Prom is coming back. We're doing prom again. So, yeah, those of you who were here last year for that, that's going to be March the 1st this year. So March 1, mark your calendars, prom at Awaken. Uh, last but not least, there's an every meal packing event, and that's Wednesday the 31st. So, as always, all the announcements can be found in our Awaken Weekly. It goes out every week by email. You can subscribe to that. Um, before we jump into the teaching this morning, I wanted to update you on um, a while back. We let you know there was a, a sum of money that we had uh, as a church that we would have normally given to our denominational connections uh, to the covenant. And so a couple years ago, uh, we decided to pause those gifts going to the covenant while they actively tried to remove me as a pastor and then us as a church. And it turns out that um, they did do that. So we're not a part of the covenant anymore. And so we had $85,000 that was going to be sent to them. And we decided, you know what? Um, what else could these funds be used for? So we released some of that to you. Our staff was responsible for some of it. And our missional team was responsible for some of it. And I wanted to let you know all the places that that's going. Is that okay? So this is very exciting. Uh, the staff was given uh, to be responsible for $30,000. And so um, we... Uh, discerned and debated and uh, prayed together and decided that our resources we would send all to one place, and that is to the Minnesota Council of Churches and their work on reparations, truth-telling, and justice. Um, so, yeah, yeah, very cool. Uh, Jim Bear Jacobs, if any of you have been on the Sacred Sites tours with us, uh, Jim Bear is the, the head of that department at the Minnesota Council of Churches, um, and he let us know that we are, like, the only like quasi close to evangelical church that's connected to their work. Um, so we're blazing a trail, people, which is really cool. Um, so that was the staff. Our missional team, which is a group of uh, five of us, six of us when Jenna's around, um, discerned, uh, debated, uh, and decided that uh, there would be four gifts of the $30,000. So $10,000 would go to Jonathan House, which is um, a, a branch of IAFR, and they work with asylum seekers. Um, $10,000 would go to Wildflower Coffee, uh, which is uh, one of our longstanding partners and friends, um, Carly and, and her crew there. And then $5,000 each to uh, the Inheritance Fund, which is uh, a fund that Ma uh, Mayor Melvin Carter started in St. Paul for first-time homebuyers, uh, black first-time homebuyers in the Rondo neighborhood. So we're giving to that, as well as the, the Joint Religious Legislative Council. So they work kind of like, if you remember our conversations about justice being downstream and upstream, 
JRLC does a lot of work upstream in terms of like legislation that's just and fair for all Minnesotans. So that was the missional team and therefore um, recipients. And then you all gave uh, recommendations for, I think there were 25 different recommendations made by you all for nonprofits that are connected to uh, and adjacent to Awaken. And so a group of people, uh, including a couple of board members and myself and uh, one of our youth actually was involved in this process, which was very cool. Um, four grants of $5,000 each to uh, Upstream Arts, which is a nonprofit in Minneapolis that works with kids with disabilities for art and, and programming for them. Um, the Urban Village, which works with Karen refugees and uh, youth pr primarily and their families uh, over in East St. Paul. The, uh, another organization called the Christian Closet, which uh, provides mental health services to um, largely the queer community, but those who have been injured and harmed by the church. Um, and then the last one is called the Wilderness Well, which is uh, actually um, someone from our, our congregation is starting that, a nonprofit that works with kind of like, um, uh, it's a retreat center and um, programming and spiritual direction for folks who, are, who have deconstructed and are reconstructing, we'll say it that way. So um, $85,000 in your name that all you all helped give going out into the world doing really good things. So well done, Awaken. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Uh, those links to uh, and inf more information will be in the Awaken Weekly this week if you want to follow up on any of those. So um, thank you. Thank you for being the kind of church um, that you are. It's, it's a great joy and an honor and privilege um, to be able to serve and work with um, this church. So... Um, we are in week two of an Epiphany series in the book of 1 John. So if you are unfamiliar with Awaken or Epiphany, uh, this is the, se the, the season right after Christmas. It's the season where we celebrate the coming of God into the world, the light of God into the world. And we are in 1 John. About 10 years ago, 11 years ago, we did a series in Epiphany on 1 John as a church uh, in, similar, in a similar time and space where our church was kind of growing and um, our kids' community was full and so we sort of went back to the well on 1 John, and we're hoping that it, it has some, some more wisdom for us, trusting that it will. Last week, we kind of introduced the book. So we talked about who, what, when, where, why. Like, what is this book? Who was it written to? Why was it written? So just a little review to catch you up. 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, written all to the same group of people, uh, which is a group of house churches in what's now like modern-day Turkey, or in and around the city of Ephesus. So the author, John, whether that was the, the gospel writer or John the Revelator, we're not really sure, but this person writes to this group of churches because there's something happening in their church, in their churches, where a group of people are kind of preaching a different gospel or uh, where they're adding to or, or taking away from that which the apostles have said. This is the heart and soul of this story in the Christian teachings, uh, what we call the gospel. And so John is writing to them, reminding them, not with new information, but rather things they've already said yes to. He says in verse 7, I'm not writing a new command, but an old one, which you've had from the beginning. So he's reminding them of the, of the commitments that they've made and the kinds of people that they're wanting to be. Uh, we, we began with the prologue, which was the first four verses last week. And it begins with that which was from the beginning. Um, that which we have heard and seen and testified to, which we've touched and experienced with our own hands, we now proclaim to you. So that which is Christ, which is the word of life. There's two Greek words, logos and zoe. And that word of life we proclaim, we testify to, and so that, or in hopes that, you might also participate in that, that you might also have fellowship in that. Um, so that's where we've been this morning, uh, is a little bit of a different teaching, I think. It's as much about 1 John as it is about the Bible. 
Um, so we're going to begin with an all play. I sent you all away last week with some homework, and if uh, those of you who decided to take me up on that offer was to read the book of First John. Um, so we're going to start there, and I, I'm guessing, I'm sort of rolling the dice on this one, because I don't know what you're going to say, but I think if you're anything like our staff, uh, it will lead us down a particular path, and even if it doesn't, that's where we're going to go, because that's what I've prepared, because I'm assuming that I know what you're going to say, right? This is not a total flip of the coin, um, but I, I think it will probably lead us to a, a predictable place. And I want to I sort of zoom out a little bit, right? We're doing First John, but this is really uh, some time and space and energy around, like, how do we approach and hold this thing we call the Bible? And then that's going to actually inform, I think, what we can understand, know, and, and learn from the book of First John. Sound good? Okay, friends. So the all-play question was, read First John, the book, and um, pay attention. So what do you notice? What do you feel? And then what questions might you have? So I'd love to, uh, let's, let's take the first two uh, together. What did, you, uh, what did you notice and what did you feel when you were reading 1 John? And, you know, keep in mind, we'll, we'll let this breathe a little bit longer than we normally do for all plays. Um, but there may be a few who want to jump in here. So what did you feel? What did you experience while reading 1 John? Who wants to jump in? There we go. Angie, thank you. Yeah, I know, I know. So I don't have to repeat you, so we can just hear you. And yeah, I don't know how this is going to go. 175 approximately references to male. Seven references to children. That's lovely. No references to women. I'm just saying. Okay. Okay. That's a good noticing. Thank you. Just saying. What's that? How did, how did it make you feel? Kind of on the outside. All right. Yes, let's keep going. Patrick. You, you can do whatever you want. It references love a lot. And it kind of makes my heart hurt because when you look at the church today, mainly the church today, you know, they're not accepting certain people. They're not showing, you're not showing those people love. Yeah. And God is love, as it says in First John. First John. So, do you really know God if you don't love these other people? Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Patrick. Others, thoughts, feelings, noticings. There we go. You can check. <laughs> I heard. A, I heard a lot of us and them. I heard, love your family, love your brothers and sisters, but these people are not your family, not your brothers and sisters. So is he saying only love people who love Jesus also? Great question. Great question. Yeah. Following up on that, he seemed to be very black and white. Either you love or you don't. Either you sin or you don't, which seemed didn't leave much middle ground for normal people. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well said. Well said. Thank you. Others? Donna? Well, I, I kept hearing, remember what you first heard. Hmm. And I just thought, yeah, that's a really good thing for me to think about, too, is what have I first heard and where am I at now and how do I want to yeah. approach that? Yeah. Great. Thanks, Donna. 
I really resonate with that concept of there's no fear in love. Yes. That really spoke to me. Yes, no fear in love. Any others? There we go. Does anybody feel like John needs an editor? <laughs> like John needs an editor, yeah. I, I haven't read the Bible in a while, and that was just so circular and confusing, and no wonder people can take um, verses out of context because you just don't know what the context is. Yeah. Kind of like in a spin cycle in some parts. Didn't I read that? Is, is he repeating himself? Yeah. Any others? Here we go. Um, you asked us to think about what we felt, and I felt anxiety because yeah. I was thinking about if he tells us to love, what is my idea of love versus from whence I came? Mm -hmm. The other places that I have worshipped have a different understanding of love, Aha. and that really put some anxiety in me. Yes, thank you. Any others? Art. So I read the First Nation version and I was struck again by how culturally remote we are from that time in some of their ways of talking and thinking about things and just wondering what I'm missing in that. At the same time, I was thinking about things I had been taught years ago from mm -hmm. some passages that were kind of almost like magic prescriptions, just apply these verses this way. Mm -hmm. And thinking, oh boy, <laughs> uh, maybe we didn't know what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nostalgic in some ways, you know, and then you're like, oh gosh, what have we done? Yeah, any others? Kathy. I... As I read through it, I thought, oh, gosh, like so much of this is where my Christian formation came from. I could just think of this passage and this passage, and um, yet there was also a part of me that was like, um, a lot of this was really used to like, I felt like shame me. Um, there's one section about... Um, like being distrustful of the world and even that whole ideology of like what the world is um, just had a very negative connotation in my formation um, compared to, and then that was translated to nature, right? So I looked at nature as just trustful and um, so just so many messages from my Christian formation that now I'm like, I'm not so sure this is what I still hold to. So I could feel that anxiety or that triggering of like, you know, I used to like evaluate my sins of, was this something from the world or is this something from my flesh or is this something from the devil? And, and um, anyways, it, it was kind of hard. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, uh, okay. What I've prepared is going to work. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. So, um, 
my hunch was that if asked, there would be a variety of responses in the room from both kind of nostalgia to anxiety and triggers. And um, it was really, really fascinating when we as a staff decided or so we have a worship planning meeting once a month and we, we kind of think about like two, three, four months ahead, like where are we going? And when we were planning for this series, it, I came with two options. And I was, I was convinced we were not going to be studying First John because I read through the book prior to that and I was just like, gosh, John needs an editor. Like I can't understand where he is in this and he's already said that before. Um, and I was, it was either going to be like a, a series about from the east, where uh, your epiphany, the sun rises from the east, and in scripture, especially in Hebrew, east is like an idea from the beginning, and so we were going to look at all these passages in scripture that had this, this phrase or this idea from the east, or first John. And as we, the more we talked and the more we debated and kind of um, one person said, this reminds me of when I was younger in my faith, uh, like this, sort of this nostalgia, lots of well-known verses. One person said, I hate this book and I wish it weren't in the Bible. Somebody on our staff here at the church. <laughs> and so there were all, there, all of that was in the room. And the more we sat with 1 John, the more we felt compelled and convinced that like, this is what we needed to study because of what it was making us think and feel about the Bible and how to interpret it, how to read it, and then kind of knowing and thinking about the congregation in which we live and that we pastor in. We felt like it was really important to, to go here. So um, I'll share just a couple of my reflections as I read through it, um, and I'll, I'll frame it in terms of what I valued and what I struggled with. Um, I, I really love the fact that uh, I valued the fact that love seems to be defined in this book quite simply. 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So when we talk about how do we define love or who gets to define love, what does love look like? If you've been to multiple churches, different versions or different interpretations or definitions of what love is, it seems like John is saying love looks like Jesus. Love always looks like Christ. And that love or that action is sacrificial for the sake of another. So I think it's... Uh, I find comfort in the fact that if we're confused or we don't know, love seems to be defined pretty succinctly in this book. And I think we can keep coming back to that, and I think we will. Um, he also reminds us of love's source. In 1 John 4, 19, he says, we love because he first loved us. So when we think about our capacity to love and our invitation to love our neighbor as ourself, we, John seems to think we can do that because God has first loved us. And, 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 Life in God or the spiritual life isn't about attainment. It's not about like, you know, climbing up a ladder. It's not about getting anything or earning anything. It's like you start with this fact that God loves you. That's the base. That's the ground of being. I think it was Aquinas or one of those uh, church, old church people said, the, the ground of being, that which we begin from is God loves us first. And so therefore we can love. So we're reminded of love source. And I love the fact that in chapter 2, you, you, you get a look into who John is. And John, I think, was a pastor. He writes like, I'm writing to you the children. I'm writing to you the parents. I'm writing to you the young people. And then he repeats himself, to you the kids, to you the parents, to you the young people. And his hopes and his desires, it's like you, you get a look into who this guy is. And I think he cared about this community that he was writing to. And I love that. Um, there's a simplicity to this book. It is... Uh, when you boil down all the circular logic and reasoning, there's a couple of things that John is saying, and he says it over and over and over and over again, almost ad nauseum. And that is, the light has come, 
and we are to love one another, and that love looks like Jesus. If I could just boil it down, like that's the, the cliff notes. I love that about this book. I struggled with a lot of things in this book, if I'm being honest with you. I struggled with the, if they left us, they were never a part of us, right? John says in, in chapter 2, they went out from us, but they didn't really belong to us, right? For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. That's so easy. You know, if somebody leaves, it's like, oh, clearly they're not one of us. You know, like that's just an easy argument. Uh, he says it again in, in chapter 4. You, dear children, you are from God and have overcome them because one of you or the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore they speak from the viewpoint of the world. And then he goes on and he says, like, uh, we are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. That's so terrible. <laughs> but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. So if you have opposition, those people are clearly not from God. And if you agree with me, you clearly are from God, right? Or us. If you agree with us, you're clearly from God. And this is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Like, uh, I, that bothers me greatly. And I think it can be, and it has been used to damage people greatly. Um, he, he also uses, like, if-then simplicity on very complicated matters. A lot. So he talks about sin, right, in verse chapter 3. He says, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin knows him. Like, what, where's the room for the rest of us in this, you know? Like, I, I sinned yesterday a couple of times. <laughs> and I'll probably do it again today. So, like, what does that mean for me? Uh, this, is how we, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is, what is right is not God's child. Like, that's, that's a really complicated matter, and it seems really simple to you, John. Um, regarding prayer, in, verse, in chapter 5, he says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask according to his will, he hears us. What's the opposite of that? If you don't ask according to God's will, he doesn't hear you. And who's struggled to know God's will before? Anyone? Like, that's not on billboards, right? He talks about, like, the spirit as the confirmation. He, he speaks of this as if it's, like, a given, like, quite easy, you know? Uh, the one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know he lives in us. He gave us the spirit. He says it again in, uh, in verse chapter 4, or chapter 4, verse 13. Um, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us the spirit. Like, that's pretty subjective. And who gets to decide, like, is there, like, a litmus test? Can I, like, take a pH balance thing and, like, you have the spirit, you don't? Who, who knows, right? Like, and he speaks of it as if it's very easy. Um, one last struggle I had. There were many. I'll just give you one more. Uh, there seems to be this, like, dichotomies and binaries and dualism all throughout 1 John. Um, he's, here's a couple of examples. In chapter 2, verse 15, he says, don't love the world. Kathy, you were talking about this. Or anything in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. The world and its desires pass away. Whoever does the will of God lives forever. So there's this idea that the, word, or the world and the flesh is temporal and bad, and the spiritual is eternal and good, right? And it's very clear. If you didn't know anything about church history, the church spent the first 200 years of its history fighting and, and, and working against a heresy called Gnosticism. 
which comes from a Greek word which means gnosis, like secret knowledge. And within Gnosticism, the world and the flesh was bad and not to be desired or sought after or valued, and that which was spiritual and eternal and secret knowledge was to be pursued and sought after. And the church said, like, for the first 200 years of its history, that's not the worldview of the Bible. The, the world and all that God has made is good. And so, like, John seems to prop up Gnosticism in his book. He, he, he also, uh, he uses this us and them all the time, right? We get this all through the book. You, dear children, you're from God. They are from the world. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. That's convenient. And they are not from God. And they don't listen to us. So, in conclusion, my values and my struggles, like, when I stop and think about it, they're sort of the one in the same thing. I love that it's a simple book. I love that it seems pretty straightforward and clear. And at the same time, it leaves like, seems to leave no room for, for nuance or uh, the, the, the gray in the middle, right? It's either or. It's dualism. It's dualistic. Um, so, here we are. This is where we find ourselves. Pastor Micah really didn't like 1 John all that much. A lot of our staff struggled with 1 John. A number of you struggled with 1 John. Some of you were like, yeah, it reminded me of when I was younger, and there was some, some beauty in that, and it reminded me of like, oh, your first love. Yes, there's, there's both. But like, here's the million-dollar question. What do you do with the Bible, this book, when you really struggle with it? What do you do when you read it and it makes your skin crawl? What do you do when you have, like, legitimate questions about what is in it? Uh, and I'm not just saying, like, you don't like it or you don't want to, um, you don't like the invitations it's giving or, or it's not convenient for you. I mean, like, real, thoughtful, reasonable critiques or frustrations or struggles with this text. What do you do? Well, that depends. That depends on how you hold the Bible. That depends on how you approach the Bible. That depends on the assumptions that you bring to the Bible before you begin to read the Bible. So I want to I take the next few minutes. We're going to go to class, all right? You got your thinking caps? Did you bring them this morning? I want to offer to you, I, I was trying to like, I spent my, the last couple weeks just racking my brain like, what, how do we do this? What am I getting at? Like, what's the white meat of the coconut on this one? And I think I found something, and I want to share it with you. I, like, took my backpack to the mountains, and I think I found some things that are pretty cool, and I want to show them to you. Are you okay with that? So I want to have a conversation about Revelation. And I don't mean the guy who wrote the last book of the Bible. I mean, if there is a God, which I'm assuming there is, and that God wants to reveal himself, how does that happen? So we're talking about God revealing God's self to us. I'm going to use, I'm going to sort of create two models here. On the left will be what I grew up with and what I think many of you probably are familiar with. And then I want to offer an alternative to that, which is essentially what we're aiming at at Awaken. Okay? So if you begin up here at the top, you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is what we call the Trinity. This is God, the divine being. In this model that I grew up in, I was told that the revelation of God is the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, the word of God. When God wants to speak, God says it, and it's in the Bible. So that's God's revelation to us, to you, to me, to the church. We're not going to add to it. We're not going to um, subtract from it. This is closed, or you could say it another way in our Minnesota tundra. This is frozen. 
right? It's, it's unchangeable. It's not moving. So then, everything comes through or, or answers to or is filtered through the Bible. My reason filters through the Bible. Um, tradition goes through answers to the Bible. Uh, science goes through answers to the Bible. If it makes sense in science, but it doesn't make sense in the Bible, we're sticking with the Bible. Uh, creation itself, the world, goes through and answers to the Bible. I would argue Jesus even answers to the Bible in some cases in this setting, right? If Jesus disagrees with Paul, we might go with Paul. <laughs> okay? Now, in this, in this model, in this setting, if, if, if this, is, this is God and God has revealed themselves to us in and through the Bible, and all these things answer to and, and filter through and go through the Bible, which is closed and frozen, my only option is to submit to it and apply it if I want to be in relationship with God, which is the anxiety you're all feeling right now. If this is, if, if we could call this a static understanding of revelation, where God has spoken, that has been recorded, and our job as followers of Jesus and people who love the scriptures is to submit to it, and if you don't, it doesn't have authority in your life, and you don't value it, and apply it. Never mind interpret, because that's already been done for us depending on our context, and mostly by white male theologians of the 18 and 1900s, right? So we're just applying, but not just what anybody says, certain groups of people. So now you can see how lots of different things play into this, but that's far afield from this teaching today. Everybody tracking here? Um, I think my suspicion is that my anxiety, my struggle, maybe some of yours, is... This is what we were taught about the Bible and how to approach it and how to hold it. And so when we find ourselves with real, honest, thoughtful, reasonable questions and critiques of the Bible, we're in a, pick, we're in a bit of a pickle because we have to submit to it and apply it in order to, to stay in. I want to offer an alternative. We begin in the same place, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity, God, the divine being, that God is interested in revealing himself. That God is interested in being known and has offered to us Jesus the Christ. Right? Christ is not his last name. It's a title. It's a theological understanding of who and what Jesus is and embodies, which is the incarnate, the embodied, the human God with flesh on. If we want to know what God is like, Jesus is the answer. The disciples come to him and say, we want to know the Father. Jesus is like, you just need to know me, because I and the Father are one, right? So the full revelation of God has been given in Jesus. When Jesus leaves, he ascends to heaven in Matthew 28. What does he tell his disciples? He says, I'm leaving. I'm going to go prepare a place for you, but I'm leaving you with something. And what's that something that he leaves us with? The Spirit, friends. The Spirit. The Spirit of God is what we are left with to discern, to uh, guide, to convict, to advocate, to counsel. So the Spirit's role in all of this is to help us and our reason 
under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, lead us to the person of Jesus. So reason and science and intellect under the power of, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, science under the direction of, under the understanding of, the revelation of, the the unveiling of the Holy Spirit, Uh, tradition as we look back and understand where we've been under the power of, the guidance of, the direction of the Holy Spirit, the uh, uh, reason, science, tradition, creation, And I would even argue the Bible. Under the guidance of, leading of, empowerment of, the Holy Spirit bears witness to and leads us to the person of Christ. And insofar as that process is is happening, we are connected to and in the flow, as Richard Rohr says. This is a dynamic understanding of revelation and God's ongoing and continual revealing of God's self to us. I would submit that this is what you see in Scripture. What does Jesus say when the, disciple, when the, when the teachers of the law come and offer him Torah, Scripture? He says, you have heard it said this, but I say unto you a new understanding. What do we see the apostles doing in the book of Acts? It's not this. Their experience and their leading, their, their, their following of the Holy Spirit is leading them to new places that actually go beyond what Scripture has said to them, and they seem to have no problem following the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit, which, in t- which bears witness to and, and re- uh, reveals like the person of Jesus and therefore the person of God. So we actually have this model in Scripture, but we're just scared to death to use it. Because it says that this book is part of God's revelation, not the end of God's revelation. I think that's the key for me. If we begin with the assumption that all God wanted to say, God has said, and it's in this book, then all we need to do is interpret it correctly and apply it, right? But it seems to me that there are cases in Scripture itself, by the way, 66 books, Who decided that? Like, have you ever thought about that moment in church history, which was like the second, third century, where a group of people who probably drank beer at the tavern down the way get together, no women in the room also, by the way, and they decide 66, not 65, not 67. Luther, in 1500, is arguing to the church to get rid of Revelation and Esther and Jude. to Like, unsuccessfully, but do you see how many problems we get when we, when we live here? Like, there's just, they're legion. They're everywhere. When you come to a book like 1 John and you have, like, honest, reasonable critiques or struggles, your only option is to submit and apply it. Otherwise, you're out and you walk away. In this, which I think is more biblical and more reasonable and sane, we start with... It holds water, right? We begin with the same assumption that God wants to reveal God's self to us and that we have the fullness of revelation in and through the person of Jesus. The Bible bears witness to that, Hebrews, right? Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. And through the power of and leading of the Holy Spirit, we have a chance to submit to, to, to under the guidance of, like, yes, lead us, guide us. The Holy Spirit is in charge here. Not our interpretations of scripture or someone else's interpretations of scripture. So, my friends, 
What do we do when we come to Scripture and we have honest questions of it? I think it really depends on how you hold the Bible. And I want to suggest, I want to offer to you this morning, many of you are here in this room because you maybe grew up in a system that no longer answered the questions, the reasonable, thoughtful critiques and questions that you had, and your only option was either submit and apply it or leave, and you are like right on the edge of ready to walk away, and I'm saying before you chuck it, before you cash it in, before you leave it, is it possible that maybe there would be another way of understanding Scripture and valuing Scripture, loving the Bible and what it's for, and, and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, which leads us to the person of Christ, which is the manifestation of the divine? That, to me, is possible. We can do that together. Um, and so, when we come to 1 John, we can let 1 John be what it is which to me is a letter to a bunch of children. Think about it. First John was written in 90, 110. This is the first or second generation of Christ followers in a new world. If you're writing to a group of people who are very young and maybe even immature in their faith, what are you not going to do? A lot of nuance. You know, your kids, they're standing there on the side of the road, cars are whizzing by. What you're not going to do is say, let me tell you about gravity, inertia, and mass, and how these things will work, and what will happen to your little body when one of those hits you. No, you just say, don't cross the road or you're going to die. <laughs> you treat them like they're children. You would, incur you would give them direction like they were children, because that is what they are. So when John, the author, comes to a group of people who are brand new in this story, when the story's just getting on its tracks, when it's just becoming something, John's concern is not all the nuance and not all the, all the gray areas. His concern is, let's get these people on the right track so that this little seed of the gospel can grow and have roots and withstand the wind and the rain and whatever may come. I don't think that's bad at all. I actually find that quite beautiful and kind, and compassionate. What would be irresponsible is to do all the things that, you know, do you see what I'm saying? So we can let 1 John be what it is. And we can still have our questions and say, gosh, that's really binary. Man, that's very dualistic. And it seems to me that maturity would lead you beyond dualism. Yes, it should. I hope that it does. And we don't have to walk away. We don't have to chuck it. Why? Because this is a system in which we can allow the Bible to be what it is. We can allow the Spirit to continue to lead and guide and reveal, even when it's asking us to move beyond the pages of Scripture, because the Word of God, Jesus, is leading us there. And we can value it, appreciate it, ask it our fair and honest questions, and do it in community together under the power and leading of the Holy Spirit. That, to me, feels like what the church has been asked to do from the very get-go. And somehow, in the, mix of, in the midst of all of this, we got stuck and caught up on this thing being the thing that determines everything. And don't hear me saying I don't value Scripture. I do. But when you hold it like this, you're it's only a matter of time. And actually, if we're honest, nobody's actually doing that. Because you all don't have doilies on your heads, ladies, right? Uh, there's all kinds of things we don't do that are in here. 
So let's be honest about that. Is there a better way to hold the scriptures? I would argue yes. And I want to invite you to that path. You may think I'm crazy. You may think I am well outside of the bounds. You may think I am a heretic. That is a risk I am willing to take. Why? Because that which was from the beginning, which I have seen and testified and, and, and experienced and touched and experienced with my own life, that which is the word of life, I proclaim to you so that you might too have fellowship with this life. Let me offer a word of prayer. God, this morning we gather in this place with uh, all of our honesty and authenticity and questions and wonder, appreciation um, for this word in general and in specific in 1 John. And I pray uh, maybe, maybe more or harder than I normally do, that if there's anything I've said that is of you, that it would remain, that it would take root in us and grow. And if there's anything that isn't consistent with, true, uh, who you are, Jesus, that it would be forgotten. So Holy Spirit, under your guidance and your direction now, we ask you to lead and guide us to that which is true, that which is true about Jesus, the Christ, and you, the divine. Do it now, I pray. my friends gathered this morning in St. Paul with varying degrees of faith and commitment to this way of following Jesus, I want to invite you to keep going on this path. I love uh, the song that we sang, um, Heart Runs. You are everything my heart wants, everything my heart wants, so my heart runs after you. Uh, That's an honest prayer I think we can pray together. Amen? So my hope is that you're encouraged, that maybe you leave today with a little bit more um, faith than you came in with, Um, and that this wonder and mystery that we call God, um, we're invited into, and we get to pursue and uh, learn about and explore and be loved by and and love the world through. Um, So go with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The church said together, amen, amen. Grace and peace, friends. Stay warm. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakeningcommunity or on Twitter at awakeningcommunity. See you next time.